0: When I was in middle school, when I was in middle school, I went through a period where I had a little bit of an obsession. All right. Middle school, you're not so surprised. You have some obsessions. And my obsession was with the one and only Taylor Swift. And listen, if it had to do with Taylor Swift, I knew about it. I knew all of her songs. I knew who she was dating at the time. I even know what some of her favorite foods were. And I was a legit, true fan. Like, I was a diehard Taylor Swift fan. And listen, this counts for something. Because back when I was in middle school, Apple Music didn't exist. Apple Music didn't exist. And so I had, you guys are too young to remember this, I had an iPod shuffle. And on my iPod shuffle, I listened to all of Taylor Swift's albums. And listen, I felt like I knew her personally. Like I felt like I knew her personally. Like if I needed something, she and I were tight enough where I could show up to her house unannounced and we could hang. Like we would be besties. Now obviously that that was never gonna happen. If I were to have shown up to Taylor Swift's house and acted like we were best friends, there's a really good chance I would have ended up in jail and also labeled as one of her stalkers. But you see, as much as I thought I knew about her, I didn't know her personally. I knew a lot of facts about her, but I didn't know her personally. And you see, there's a big difference between knowing about a person and truly knowing them. There's a big difference between knowing about a person and truly having a personal relationship with them. You know, I think in this room, many of us know a lot about Jesus. We know a lot about Jesus. We know about his birth. We know about his miracles. We know about his teachings while he was here on earth. Many of us are familiar with his death and with his resurrection. And we know a lot of facts about him. We can answer questions about him. But I wonder in this room tonight, how many of us really know him? Do we understand his heart and his character? Do we know him on a deep, personal level? Well, tonight we are kicking off a brand new teaching series called I Am. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes several statements that begin with the phrase, I am. And these statements that that Jesus makes, they serve a very specific purpose. And that is to tell us more about who he is. These statements, they give us a a deeper understanding of Jesus' heart. They give us a deeper understanding of, of his character, of his intentions. And so for the next few weeks, we're gonna unpack some of these I am statements that Jesus makes. And listen, I believe that as we... Begin to look at these I am statements that we see throughout the New Testament. That we're going to begin to know Jesus in a deeper way. That these statements will move us from simply knowing about Jesus to knowing him personally. So tonight we are going to look at the I am statement where Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the gate. Everybody say gate. Tonight we're going to be in John chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, go ahead and open to to John chapter 10. And before we jump into these verses, I want to give you a, a little bit of context about what's going on here. You see, John chapter 10 piggybacks off of John chapter 9. And in the previous chapter, we see a story about where Jesus heals a man who had been born blind. For the first time in his entire life, this man can finally see. And Jesus has performed this amazing miracle. It's beginning to to draw attention from the people who are around him. And as word begins to spread about this amazing miracle, the Pharisees are not happy. The Pharisees were the religious leaders at the time, and they begin to catch wind of of these amazing things that, that Jesus is doing, and they're not happy. And specifically in this situation, the Pharisees are mad because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was considered a day of rest. And so any type of work that that took place on the Sabbath was not allowed. And in the Pharisees' mind, Jesus had violated this rule. They kind of felt disrespected that, that, that he had healed this man on the Sabbath. And so in response to to Jesus' healing, they begin to attack Jesus. They come after his reputation. They come after his ministry. They set out on, on a mission to discredit him among the people that he's trying to reach. And so in response, Jesus begins to call them out for their spiritual blindness Jesus doesn't just sit back and take it. Jesus kind of fires back, and he begins to call them out for their spiritual blindness because they were unable to see who Jesus really was. They were unable to see that that Jesus was truly the Son of God. And so that's where our story picks up tonight in John chapter 10. Verse 1, it says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate But climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. You see, Jesus, when, when he taught, he often used metaphors and figures of speech to illustrate spiritual truths. And here he's talking about a shepherd and sheep and a sheep pen. And to us, this might sound a little bit odd because we're not familiar with these things. But this would have been a concept that the Pharisees understood really well. Back then, shepherds was a popular job that that many men would have. And it was known that that shepherds were responsible for caring for their sheep. And at night, one of the, the shepherds' job was to take their flock of sheep and to lead them in towards what was called a sheep pen. And this sheep pen, it was constructed of rock, and it was open. You can see a picture on the screen behind me. And the sheep would pretty much spend the night in this pen. It was a place where they were protected from from the weather, where they were protected from, from other wild animals. And the shepherd's job was to stand guard over this sheep pen to make sure that his flock was protected overnight. And in these verses, Jesus is comparing a true shepherd to a false shepherd. And he starts by talking about a false shepherd. He said, a false shepherd climbs into the sheep pen by another way. They have to break in. You see, in order for, to get the sheep to follow them, a false shepherd has to use deception and force. See, that's because a false shepherd doesn't actually know the sheep. He doesn't know the flock. And in order to get the sheep to follow him, he has to trick them. A false shepherd does not care about the well-being of his sheep. He's just concerned about what he can get from them and from taking advantage of them. But then Jesus begins to explain what, what a true shepherd is like. A true shepherd doesn't break into the sheep pen. They have to enter by the gate. And the sheep, they listen to the shepherd's voice. They recognize it. And that's because the sheep, they they know their shepherd personally. And in the morning when when the shepherd leads the sheep out of the sheep pen, he goes before them to make sure that the path is clear. To make sure that they're protected and safe. So Jesus, he's talking about shepherds and sheep and sheep pens. What what is he saying here? Like what what kind of point is he trying to to make to the Pharisees? Listen in verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep, they have not listened to them. Jesus says that he is the gate and that we are the sheep. Jesus is the gate and we are the sheep. And that all who have come before him, all who have come before Jesus are thieves and robbers. They're false shepherds. You see, the Pharisees... They were false religious leaders. They were false spiritual leaders. And oftentimes the Pharisees were responsible for for misleading and deceiving the people. They used their religious power, their religious authority to take advantage of those who were underneath them. They taught the people that they must follow all these different types of rules and regulations that if someone had wanted to come to God they had to jump through all of these hoops in order to receive salvation. They were essentially keeping people away from God rather than pointing them towards God. Look in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus is saying here that that he's the gate. Now I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't say here. Jesus doesn't say, I am a gate. He says, I am the gate. He says, I'm not an option. I'm not a gate. I am the gate. And he tells us that when we enter through him, when we enter through him, three different things happen. If we place our faith and our trust in him, if we choose to follow him, then three different things happen. And the first one is this. When we choose to enter through Jesus, number one, we are saved. Number one, we're saved. You know, in church we like to use this phrase a lot. We like to use the phrase, be saved. But what are people actually being saved from? We throw this phrase around like everyone knows what it means, but what are people actually being saved from? You see, Jesus, he's not talking about safety from physical danger. He's not talking about saving people from from physical danger. In fact, all throughout the New Testament, we see example after example of people who were actually put in more danger because they chose to follow Jesus. Because they chose to follow Jesus, they received threats. They suffered persecution. Some people were even executed because of their faith. Jesus isn't talking about saving us from a physical threat or a physical danger. Instead, he's talking about us being spiritually rescued. Spiritually rescued. You see, those who enter through Jesus will be saved from the consequences of their sin. Those who enter through Jesus will be saved from the consequences of their sin. And what are these consequences? What are the consequences of sin? Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Meaning the consequences for our sin is spiritual death. Because God is perfect and holy and we are sinful, we deserve an eternal separation from God. You see, God and sin cannot coexist A perfect God cannot coexist with sin. And there is nothing that we can do on our own to fix this problem. Our situation was pretty hopeless and didn't look good. But look at what the second half of that verse says. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, this, this is why Jesus came. He came to to save us from our sins and to offer eternal life. By his death and his resurrection on the cross, he bridged that gap that existed between us and God. He became the solution to our problem. And those who come to Jesus, those who place their faith in Jesus will be saved. They will be rescued. They will receive that free gift of eternal life. Those who enter through Jesus will also, number two, find pasture. They'll find pasture. You see, a shepherd's primary job was to lead their flock to green pastures. And during the day, a flock of sheep would graze out in a field. And if you know anything about sheep, you know that they're not the smartest animal that that ever existed. And so the shepherd's job was to guide and direct them to wherever the food was. And for sheep, food is grass. And so if a flock was grazing on a pasture and they were running out of food, it was the shepherd's job to to guide them and to lead them to a new pasture. And often this journey, it was long, it was exhausting, and it was dangerous. But eventually the, the shepherd would lead his flock to a new pasture. And there, once they arrived at this new pasture, they would finally be able to rest. They would finally be refreshed. They would be able to to sleep. You see, this is a picture of what Jesus does for us. Listen, life is hard. It's exhausting. It's tiring. It's overwhelming. And I want you to just just think about this for a minute. I want you to think about all of the things that you have to do on a weekly basis. Not only do you have, have school, Many of you have sports, you have clubs, you have other extracurricular activities. If you're in here tonight and you're older, you've got AP classes, you're prepping for the SAT, you're applying for college. So your schedule is pretty full. But then you tack on people's expectations of you. Your parents have expectations, your coaches have expectations, Your teachers have expectations. Your friends have expectations that you have to meet. But not only is that all of it, then you throw on this idea that we have that we have to maintain our reputation, right? We got to act a certain way. We got to look a certain way. And we got to make sure that our reputation looks good, not only in person, but also on social media. And listen, some of you tonight are absolutely drained by life. Some of you tonight feel completely overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed by the weight of the responsibilities that you're carrying. You're constantly worried and anxious. Some of you even feel depressed and hopeless. Some of you are stressed out and constantly feel like you're always on edge. And listen, if you're being honest tonight, your spiritual and your emotional battery is running on empty. It's running on empty. Look at what David writes in Psalm chapter 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You see, Jesus, he is our shepherd. And he leads us to green pastures. Jesus is the one that refreshes us when we're drained and we're running on empty. He provides us peace when life is overwhelming. He offers us rest for our souls when we're exhausted. And listen, Jesus isn't put off by all the things that we've got going on in life. Just because you're carrying some heavy things doesn't mean Jesus doesn't want you to come to him. In fact, he wants the exact opposite. He invites you to come to him and to lay those burdens at his feet. Look at the invitation he gives us in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, it's easy, and my burden is light. When we enter through Jesus, not only will we be saved, we'll also find pasture, but thirdly, we will have life. We will have life. You know, I think for for those of us who grow up in church, I often think we, we think about the message of Jesus like this, that we pray a prayer and that we hope we go to heaven when we die. We pray a prayer and we hope to go to heaven when we die. And until that happens, our responsibility is to be a good person. We go to church, we read our Bible, we pray, we follow the rules. And it kind of has turned into this, I'm just trying to survive, I'm just trying to to get by in this life. And for many of us, following Jesus honestly seems like a chore. If we're honest tonight, I think for many of us, that's our approach to our relationship with Jesus. It feels like a chore. But listen, Jesus, he didn't just come so that you could go to heaven. Jesus didn't just come so that you could go to heaven. Jesus came so that you could have life and that you could have it to the fullest, And listen, this life that Jesus is talking about, it doesn't begin when you die. It doesn't begin when you go to heaven. Jesus says it begins now. And Jesus, he wants you to experience this true life that only he can provide. He wants you to be fulfilled and to have purpose. But, you know, so often we go looking for life in in all the wrong places. We look for life in our friendships, in our relationships, We look for life in success and achievements. Some of us look for life in money and possessions. We even look for life in fun and entertainment. And listen, I want you to hear me say that none of these things are bad. None of these things in and of themselves are bad. But listen, they will only satisfy you for a period of time. At some point, they will leave you feeling empty and wanting more. They don't provide true, lasting life. You know, one of my my favorite commentaries defines true life like this it says, The fullness of life is the reward of faith. The fullness of life is the reward of faith, meaning that when we come to Jesus, when we enter through Jesus, we experience true fulfillment. He gives us hope and a purpose. No longer do we have to to look for the things of this world to satisfy us. He makes us complete and we lack absolutely nothing. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2. He says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Listen to this. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. When we enter through Jesus, we receive true life. True life that only he can give us. So listen with, with with heads bowed and eyes closed no one looking around I want to give you a question to consider as, as we wrap up tonight I want you to consider this question for me are you experiencing true life are you experiencing true life Are you experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus has to offer you? You know, for some of you in here tonight, you would say that that you're a follower of Jesus. You've placed your faith and your trust in him and, and you've been saved. You've entered through that gate. But listen, right now, your relationship with Jesus is anything but life. You're drained, you're exhausted, your spiritual battery is running on empty and you don't know how much longer you can continue to go on like this. Listen, tonight, Jesus wants to lead you towards that green pasture. He's inviting you to to find your rest in him and to remember who he is in your life, to remember the, the role that he plays in your life, And listen, maybe over these past few months as you've gotten into the routine of school, you've gotten into the routine of busyness and your schedule is really full, you've lost sight of that. You've lost sight of that relationship with Jesus and unfortunately that relationship has turned more into a chore than anything else. Listen, if that's you tonight, I want to encourage you to lay that baggage before the Lord. Whatever it is that you're carrying, whatever emotional stress, whatever family dynamics, whatever expectations that you feel like other people have of you, I want to invite you to lay that before the Lord. God's not put off by our baggage or the things that we carry. Instead, he invites us to bring those to him. He invites us to lay those at our feet, at his feet. So, as we continue to worship in just a few minutes, I want to challenge you to be honest. I want to challenge you to to be honest about those areas that that you need to lay before the Lord and that you need to release so that you can begin to live freely in your relationship with Jesus. So that your relationship with Jesus doesn't continue to, to be a chore or a burden, rather, you recognize the role that Jesus plays in your life. And then there are some of you tonight who you have never entered through the gate. You have never experienced the the salvation that Jesus offers. You've never been saved. And listen, tonight Jesus is inviting you to enter through that gate and to be saved. He wants to offer you that free gift of eternal life and to experience true, fulfilling life. But listen, in order to accept that free gift, we must first understand that God is perfect and we are not. And because of our sin, there exists this divide between us and God. And on our own, there is absolutely nothing that we can do to bridge that gap. No amount of good works, of going to church, of being a good person, the consequence for our sin is spiritual death. It's eternal separation from God. But listen, that is why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. And Jesus is the gate in which we enter to have a relationship with God. Through his death and resurrection on the cross, he bridged that gap between us and God. And tonight... He's inviting you to take that first step, to make that decision to follow him. And I want to give you a chance to respond. In just a minute, we're going to stand and worship. And if that's a decision that, that you want to make tonight, I want to encourage you that as we continue to worship, for you to just slip out of your seat and head to the back. Myself, John, Bo, we're going to be in the back. And listen, we would love to talk to you about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We want to answer your questions. We want to pray with you. And we want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. Because listen to me. I want to make sure that you leave here tonight knowing Jesus personally. That you just don't know about him you know personally. Father, we love you and we thank you that you desire to know each one of us personally. You desire a real relationship with each one of us. God, because you loved us so much, you did not just leave us separated from yourself. You sent your son who stepped in and took the place for our sin so that we can experience that right relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray that if there are any students in here tonight who are wrestling with that question of, am I really saved? Do I have this personal relationship with you? That you would make yourself very clear to them tonight. That you would give them the boldness to step out of their seat and to come find one of us and to talk. God, because we know that that you want to know us personally. And you desire that relationship with us. Father, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.